a motorcycle chase, a helicopter chase, an underground tunnel chase, the end of the Flag Smashers, the rise of the new Captain America, redemption for Bucky, and perhaps U.S. agent, and acknowledgement for Isaiah Bradley. So much jam-packed into this series finale of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and we have so much to dive in and discuss. Welcome, everyone, to the MCU pod, a companion podcast to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm your host, Grant Davis, and Mike is currently being held captive over on the raft, so he can't join me this week, but it's okay. It's going to be okay, because uh, I don't have to do it alone. I'm still joined by two friends of the show. We're joined once again by comics and TV expert Randy Lander of the TV Dudes and Rogues Gallery Roguecast. Hello, Avengers Assemble. Randy, Randy, uh, you know what? I realized that I've been derelict in my duties. Is that the right word? Derelict? I think Der- so. It's good. Yeah, it's, uh, derelict in your duties. Sure. Because, because uh, you know, I haven't been promoting you guys. I bring you guys on as, as guests, but then I, I don't like actually give you an opportunity to talk about what it is you do, what you talk about. And one of those things is the TV news. Tell us about Tell us about your stuff. So, uh, yeah, TV Dudes is a TV podcast that I started with uh, you and uh, and Gregory J. Money Smith about, oh, God, it's like at least 10 years ago. We've been doing it for a while. And uh, I, I think it's 10 years. Maybe it's only five. I don't know. It's a long time. Long time. We did this for a long time. And uh, it's a weekly podcast. I currently do it with uh, Les Weiler and Nick Tice. And um, we cover basically stuff from all the various streaming networks. And Kyle isn't on it anymore. <laughs> Kyle is Kyle is taking a hiatus while he works on his house. Uh, he is oh, yeah. he got he got winter stormed out, so he's like uh, doing some stuff for that. But he Which will be back. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I so I do that uh, do that weekly, and um, we uh, we talk about what we're watching and and all that kind of thing. I, I jumped the gun. I, I changed the graphics. <laughs> and yep. then. The Roguecast is uh, the official podcast of my uh, store, Rogues Gallery Comics and Games, in Round Rock, Texas. There it is. And uh, we do that also mostly weekly, although sometimes things don't, don't work out that way. But uh, we cover comics for the week, and then we usually talk about trailers for you know geek-related movies and that kind of thing, and what we might be watching and, and listening to, that kind of thing. I love seeing um, uh, Dr. Venture and Brock Sampson over here. And, and, <laughs> That's art by our, our good buddy Nate Bliss, who also did all the art for uh, our Beach Cop Detectives podcast. It's fantastic. Speaking of artists, we are also joined again by our good buddy and indie comics darling, Will Cardini. Will. Hey, everybody. What's happening, man? I, You know it. You know I got graphics for you, too. I got graphics <laughs> for you to promote your stuff. So uh, tell, us, tell us about what you do, man. I make uh, psychedelic sci-fi comics. I write and draw them. This is a page for my newest thing I'm working on called A Reluctant Oracle. Hoping to have an issue out later this year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, got this guy. This, my first graphic novel, Vortex, came out in 2014, and I still got copies on my website if you want to order one. It's another psychedelic sci-fi wizard adventure. <laughs> Badass. And uh, and uh, you, what I love, Mark is or uh, Will, sorry, uh, is that you have created this this universe called the Hyperverse, and like all of your different comics, they all integrate and and build off of this universe that you constructed, not unlike a Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about this, too. Tales from the Hyperverse is a collection of short comics that all take place in the titular Hyperverse uh, realm where you never know what's going to happen. You might get eaten by a monster while you're just trying to do your job, or you might get stomped by a, a witch spell. It's a dangerous place, and I just kind of tr- like exploring that. And as Grant alluded to, all my comics take place in the same universe and there are recurring characters like the Mizard and the floating crystal witch on the cover of that one it's very it's very uh very drug induced <laughs> no comment <laughs> no comment um folks uh we are happy to have you guys back here uh apologies that we were not here last week um some sometimes life gets in the way and uh we were unfortunately unable to do our live show discussing episode five but that's okay we're back does that mean we can talk about five and six this week because that, that's that because five was great and i really would love to talk about some of it I, I think it would be fair for us to talk a little bit on um episode five as well but nice mainly we're gonna be talking about episode six we're gonna be talking about the conclusion of the falcon and the winter soldier series and uh every week i want to remind you guys that we do a little live broadcast i would say every week but we weren't here last week were we um <laughs> We do a live broadcast, though, over on YouTube. If you go to youtube.com slash MCU pod, you can go ahead and subscribe to us. Hit that subscribe button. You can hit the notification buttons as well, and you know when we go live. Love to have you join us. We're going to be doing much more in the MCU because the MCU is uh, ever-expanding, it seems. Even (laughs) just today, they announced Captain America 4 is coming out. So, obviously, um, plenty of material for us to be discussing week to week uh even if it's not episode uh each episode of television so we'd love to have you guys join us and before we go ahead and dive into discussing that um i'm going to take another couple minutes here to just briefly talk about other ways you can support us like i said you can find us over at mcupod.com um that's where you can find all the places that we put out this both in video and in audio if you guys want to go ahead and subscribe to our audio podcast as well on whatever podcasting platform you listen to you can do so and we would appreciate that if you have a second go ahead and rate and review us go to apple uh, Podcasts and give us that little five star and write a little review it does help us and um, we appreciate everyone that's already put in the work to do such a thing um you can also uh, subscribe to us over at patreon.com i have a graphic for this one too boom Patreon.com slash MCU pod. There you can make a monthly pledge of just $2, $5, or $10. Join the Defenders, Revengers, or Avengers accordingly. And we, I just want to say thank you guys. I mean, it's 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 humbling to see the support that we've gotten um, on there already. And I'm going to try and do more exclusive podcast material for you guys just to show our thanks for supporting this little venture that we're doing here. Um, I think uh, the last thing I want to note is that since we are doing this live over on YouTube, you can comment. You can give us your thoughts. And people are already uh, commenting over here. We got people talking about scrolls and we're talking about the accursed life and just you know, saying <laughs> hi to each other on the chat. It's a, it's a little family we're cultivating here and we'd love to have you guys come join us over in the chat. It's a lot of fun. And we're also getting people giving us their snap judgments already. I'm already seeing those over on the side, but I'm getting ahead of myself there. <laughs> Let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, this week's episode, the final episode, episode six of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, 
It's called One World, One People, written by Malcolm Spellman and Joseph Sawyer, and directed by Carrie Scoglin, um, who directed the entire series and did a fantastic job, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the synopsis, according to uh, IMDb, is uh, Sam Wilson, a.k.a. The Falcon, and Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. The Winter Soldier, team up on a global adventure. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's just great, great job. <laughs> um, we like to start our episodes with a little segment called Snap Judgments. Snap judgments are where we can give our just quick first impressions mm -hmm. on the episode. And uh, this, this, this week it's going to be a little bit richer than just that. We're going to ask for your snap judgments on the episode. You can talk a little bit about what you thought about episode five, since we didn't really cover that. Um, and then you can also, well, I was, I was going to say we could roll in the entire season as a whole, but let's hold off on that. I think we'll hold off on that. Let's just keep it to episode five and episode six. And we're going to start with you, Will. All right. Well, I've got to say, episode five and episode six were really good. Uh, I really appreciated how they uh, brought everything in and tied up all the loose ends and kind of set up whatever's going to happen next. I didn't know about Captain America 4. I was thinking, you know, another season. And this just made me like really excited to see uh, them explore the new spoiler the new Captain America <laughs> and his costume, which is totally badass and definitely well worth the um, build up to it in episode five. I thought they did that really well. And there were just some really iconic moments like this one. And then when he's flying in with Carly's body mm -hmm. and he just lands, you know, with the wings. I mean, it almost looked like something out of a painting of an angel. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. And I just really love moments like that where, the cinematography and the superhero iconography creates this really epic picture. And then of course his, his speech after that was amazing. And the line about the insane God and the misguided teenager. I mean, that was just, that was just so good. Yeah. Um, Randy, what, what are your thoughts? I, uh, I think that's, it's interesting. I've, I've seen uh, some controversy on this, on this one online. I've got friends who really didn't like this episode. I can see in our comments that some folks were real down on this episode. I thought um, episode five, I think, was as strong as the series got. I think it was the best episode of the series as a whole. And then as a result, I think six had to carry the weight of the entire series and land and bring it in for landing. And I thought I'd, I'd give it like I'd give it like an eight point five. Like it's good. It's it's a solid ending. I think it's a couple missteps. There's a couple things I wish they'd done differently. And I do feel like uh, it's fair to say, yeah, there's some stuff that was a little bit rushed. But where it works, it really works. Cap uh, having having. Falcon in that costume doing some cool aerial stuff doing this, using the shield. I thought that was done really well. I thought it was a beautiful translation of a costume that in the comics took me a little while to warm up to, but because I was sort of used to it and expecting it, I loved seeing it. I, I like yelled out loud when I actually saw it, that they, that they'd done it. I was very happy that they, that they put that on in screen. I thought they did a good job translating it. And then uh, I thought they, they gave Sam a good outro with his, without compromising all the, moral complexities of this. I, I have some gripes, which we'll get into, but overall, uh, I love this. Uh, it, it also like cap and the Falcon cap in particular, some of my favorite comics. So 
they they translate it pretty beautifully and i'm super psyched to see uh captain america 4 yeah i think i'm i'm a little mixed i thought that episode five was very powerful it was a, a fantastic episode um one that was a little less action-packed than a lot of the other ones but mm -hmm. more more reflective and i thought that especially the scenes of just like him working on the boat and like you know getting back in touch with like community and and all of that and like having bucky there like helping him and like just this this kind of family dynamic it felt very nourishing to the soul mm -hmm. <laughs> for me. yeah um, there was some really touching moments both in that episode and this one, and I'm I'm surprised to say because Randy, you know this about me, I'm a robot. You are. I cried. What? I, I cried at moments in both these episodes. And uh, wait, have you been replaced by a scroll just like people think Sharon Carter was? <laughs> <laughs> That's what's going on. Um, but it was, it just like you know, there's certain things in this that like when they could hit some heavy moments, I thought that they were doing a good job with it. And it was like mm -hmm. pretty profound. Um, that said, like, I, I do agree. Like there's, there's certain dynamics of this, like that feel like the Marvel formula just has to have a, a big um, beat em up bad guys, like moments for like just are ongoing, even mm -hmm. though it doesn't make any sense for Bucky who is a, the world-renowned trained assassin um, to have to uh, exchange jabs with a, a low-level nobody for like five minutes of the episode. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. Bucky goes, punches that dude once, he's out, moves on to the next guy. Bucky knows how to just annihilate people and yet they, they dumb his, down his abilities. Mm -hmm. I mean, and then, and then like seeing how much time was like dedicated to Batrock and and Sam fighting him when people are flying off in helicopters. I'm like, clearly you don't need to be wasting your time on this guy. Leave hey, and jump out and fly you, away. You leave Batrock alone. He showed great courage. <laughs> I just can't believe he brought the chair against the shield. That was that. I was like cap versus shield in my notes like that doesn't i mean chair versus shield that makes no sense cap versus shield does make sense though. <laughs> yes yes it does yeah it was backdrop so, with the steel chair um, <laughs> I, I agree though i think it like it tied up a lot of um moments near the end there in a in a nice way for the most part there were some things that i felt a little uncomfortable with like um how they just kind of gave a little dedication wing to Isaiah Bradley, but it still kind of failed to reflect on the larger issue of like his exploitation. That was like extremely like messed up. Right. But, so, but don't you think that that, I mean, we didn't get to see the whole placard. I assume that it talked about that in the placard. And also I assume that it basically left for the official story that, that he died because that's what he wanted. Yeah, he didn't want to come forward and, and have the, they talked about them in five. But like he didn't want to have that fight, it, and it wasn't it wouldn't be fair to drag him into that fight. So Sam gave him something a little recognition that he, did, that he deserved and maybe wanted, but I think he didn't want to do the uh, hey yeah reveal that I'm alive and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like maybe that was the compromise that to try and give him something without dragging him into the spotlight in a way that he would have felt uncomfortable with. Yeah, I, I mean I thought that him him seeing the statue and just kind of uh reflecting on it was still a powerful moment and um, you know we'll we'll go into that a bit more in a bit 
Yeah. Uh, I do want to address some of the snap judgments we got from our audience. Uh, Nicole Jackson says, I think last week was much better than this week. I mean, episode five was probably the best episode, I think, of the yep. season. Um, Will Morris says, Sharon Carter isn't the power broker. Sharon Carter isn't even Sharon Carter. She's Grant Davis. <laughs> She's Mephisto. She's Mephisto. G Miller 47 says, I want more Julia Louise Dreyfus ASAP. Definitely. Definitely. Rich Murphy says, um, episode five showed the series really hitting a stride. Episode six followed by having it keep up the sprint just to fall flat on its face. Wow, that's harsh. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron says, enjoyed both five and six, uh, but they copped out making Sharon the power, power broker. Too easy a solution. I want to talk about that a little bit. Do you think, I mean, this is the thing that this is all shot and they put it out. Do you think this is another one of these cases where they didn't realize people were going to pick pick that up that quickly? Like that they tipped their hand too much and like, or or do you think it was sort of a like, well, we, we're, we're not going to change it even though everybody picked, like they weren't going to change it this late in the game. Like, like, is it, is it that the, the solution wasn't satisfying or was it that we all picked it up on it way too early? And so like when they did the big reveal, I think they were all expecting, oh, nobody's going to spot this, but everybody did. I'm, what do you think, Mark? Well, I don't think uh, if I hadn't been on this podcast and heard Grant say that, I probably wouldn't. I mean, I thought she was like a little shady, but I necessarily wouldn't have gone there. But at the same time, I feel like the power broker wasn't built up in a way to where I'm like, oh, my God, she's the power broker. That explains so much. Like, yeah, that, yeah. It, it doesn't make me want to like rewatch the earlier episodes and be like, oh, OK, she's the power broker. Now everything makes sense. It didn't make sense before. And I feel like those kind of reveals are better when something like that happens and it really changes your understanding of the events. But I don't know. It, it didn't feel like it needed to be so hidden or. Well, it's, it it's, like the last, <laughs> it's the last, it's the last, it's the last scene. It's the post credit scene. And you want the post credit, like compare the WandaVision post credit scene, which had the scrolls basically recruiting Monica Rambeau and how cool some of that stuff was. And this was sort of a, not super cool like it's not the it's not the coolest thing to go out on like the coolest thing to go out would have been probably the u.s agent thing would have been the good post-credit sequence yeah although i did want to say something about that why was he changing into his new outfit in the same senate chamber where he got grilled and like demoted <laughs> Like that part, I was just like, they're just reusing this set, and it really doesn't make sense for the maybe, scene. Maybe at Val, all. maybe Val was like, "Look, I have this room for another hour. Just, <laughs> just come in here and it. change. Just come change. <laughs> we we we're trying to cut make cuts in the budget here. Okay. <laughs> uh, one more uh, comment here from Nicole Jackson who says, uh, "I really don't think." Sam can be an effective Cap without serum. I mean, at one point, Thanos punched the shit out of Cap, and if that happened to Sam, he'd just be dead. That is fair, but I will point out, in the comics, Sam did not have the serum either. So, I I, I think that having, I mean, Hawkeye doesn't have any powers, and he he hangs with the Avengers, so you can have guys without powers. I think in the in the movies, we're, we're used to the idea of, like, they've got to be superheroes. They're going to be superheroes, but there are people who are just trained. Like black widow doesn't have any super serum and she's a badass. Like, I think you can make someone who's like trained and skilled and, and, and not have to have superpowers. Yeah. I, I think that the fact that we, we got to see he's, he's a true athlete. He 
has the heart in the right place. He has the courage. You know, he mm-hmm. has all the other attributes that you need. Brains, um, courage, heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's what's the other one? Toto. <laughs> yeah, and Toto. Yeah, he's got um, Toto. But then, in addition, it seems like what he got dropped off for him was a Wakandan Falcon suit. So it's presumably made of vibranium. It seems to have a bunch of advanced tech, and. At a certain point, it's basically like what I was talking about in the very first episode when we did this podcast, where I was like, um, it it would make more sense that he gets fused with Iron Man than with Captain America. Yeah. And that's kind of what it is. He has like an Iron Man suit, but he has the shield of Captain America. And it's it's Iron Man and Captain America had a, a sweet little baby. And it's Sam <laughs> Wilson. Uh, I, I... I do think I wish that they had given us a little more insight into what the Wakanda, I mean, we know Wakanda tech is like way advanced, but it would have been nice if when he had gotten the suit, if we had seen just a little inset of AO talking to, to, or even Shuri, if you could have managed to swing that talking to, to winter soldier about this suit's got this and this. So we like, basically we know what the abilities are like, yeah, it enhances your strength. And it's, it's, we know it's, it's probably made of vibranium. So it's probably pretty durable. And gives him armor, like talking in his ear to tell him, uh, yes, advance, uh, elevating (laughs) your power boosters or whatever. I just, I would have liked them to have made explicit. You can definitely read into it that it's, it's Wakandan tech, which means vibranium, which probably means that it presents him with armor. But as someone pointed out in the comments, uh, he's still like lifts, he lifts a truck. Like, like he's definitely, there's gotta be enhancing him somehow. Right. Right. He was holding up that, that entire truck, um, which was, kind of a badass sequence on this it was thing. it uh, was yeah when he comes in there because i'm like wait how can he lift that but like yep. just the like here i'll pull up this image here look at the lighting on that too it yeah was, it was gorgeous great. it was uh cinematic it just had all the good feels um mm-hmm. so i don't i didn't take any notes this time so I'm, i was just gonna be like let's just discuss mm-hmm. um, let's have a free-flowing discussion on this episode and Let's go ahead and start with the beginning. It starts with um, the evil flag smasher henchmen uh, overtaking the the GRC, and they're there just kind of killing time. Obviously, waiting for Falcon to show up because he him showing up, I guess, is crucial to them being able to take uh, and kidnap people. Made no sense. So I that is one of my big complaints. They built the flag smashers up in the background, and okay. So I don't know if you guys know this. I've seen this talked about. The original plot of this had to do with like a, a, a pandemic and vaccines and they were stealing vaccines. And I think they changed all of that because of the actual real life COVID pandemic. Hmm. And so some of the some of the rushed writing, and that kind of thing can be excused because basically they had to suddenly change a plot that was like the, the spine of the series was something different. And I think they felt like it was insensitive to do it, which I don't know whether or not I, I, I can see the argument for it. But you can definitely see that when you're like, wait a minute, what was their plan exactly? And why was it so bad? Like, what was that I, truck full of medicine that they it, stole? Yeah, and they, then, like, they just distribute like Robin Hood distributing medicine. Okay. They they could have done a much better job of explaining exactly what they wanted and how they're going to accomplish it. Uh, because I feel like they're trying to present it as like a, a balanced thing of like, oh yeah, what they're doing is oh. what they're doing is wrong. Takako says they, they were waiting for Falcon because it was a promise made to Batrock in order for mm. Batrock to help them. That does make sense. But what was Batrock doing to help them? I mean, he's a trained mercenary. Maybe he was just there to give him some logistical support. I don't know. He okay. had the chair. The chair. Yeah, he had the chair. Yeah. He's the man with a chair. He's the chairman. 
<laughs> Gotta love a good pun. B O R E D. Yeah. So, I mean, he, it was a good cinematic moment to have um, Sam come in in his new suit. And I guess yeah. that's another thing we should talk about. What, what do you guys think of the suit? I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Will, did you like it as well? I thought the goggles were a little weird. Like the just the the angle of them when they showed them close up, that part just like I don't know something about it. It seemed like they sit on his face kind of weird. But I did like the rest of it, just as a design. And it's pretty eye catching, you know, with the white. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not I'm not like a huge, you know, red, white, and blue design fan necessarily, but I thought it was pretty good. I don't I don't like it. It looks like, um, I think it's called bunting. You know, the uh, things like whenever you go yeah. to like a plane, mm-hmm. bunting yeah. that's like hanging down the red, white, and blue stuff. That's that's mm-hmm. what his wings end up looking like. The white mm. is so pristine that I'm just like, ah, you're going to get stains all over that. It's going to get dirty. It doesn't make <laughs> it, sense to me. It, it's impractical is what you're saying. It it's an impractical seems, super suit. It seems impractical. Look, I'm I, just, Wakandan cleaning tech is super advanced. And they they know how to keep the whites white in their in their super suits. It feels almost like a like a it's like like sports team like a like a, yeah mm-hmm. like the a Patriots basketball or Patriots or something. I get that. I get that. And I thought I I was kind of hoping that the overall visual aesthetic might be downplayed a bit more and less cartoony, like hardcore, like juxtaposition of, of color graphics like that. Um, as we saw the evolution of um, Captain America's suit, I was hoping it wouldn't be such harsh color play. See, so, I think, I think that's why I liked it. This to me felt more like the comic book. Pretty Grant deal with it. Deal with uh, it. I, I think that's the thing. I, one of the things I've always had some slight gripes with in the MCU, much as I love the MCU, is it was heavily influenced by the Ultimates line, and they militarized all the stuff. And I like that they are a little unafraid here to go just straight up superhero. Like it is, it is very sort of. It looks a little garish because in in the real world it looked garish, but it looks like the comic suit, like in a way that I've not seen done really well. Yeah, I mean, I guess a lot of people seem to like it more than I do. Um, people are agreeing the goggles are a little, little weird, but we never saw it from the back. Is it still America's ass? We don't know. Questions to be answered in Cap Four. <laughs> Show us that booty, Sam. Um, <laughs> but I also just kind of had this expectation. I don't know why. That since it was Wakandan tech, mm-hmm. it it might not be that. I don't know. It, it seems like it was bought at Old Navy, and it was like <laughs> really loud. <laughs> really, America, like uh, especially since it, well, this whole thing was a little bit of a this the season was a commentary on like the problems of of America as well, and like this, um, this kind of rejection of this like extreme nationalism which i think is a problem so to see this kind of embracing of that 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 symbolism seemed a little bit off key for recognizing that i don't know am i, am I rambling maybe i'm rambling here but he, he's owning it like it's like he said to isaiah at the end you know he's saying that he's gonna fight for it and he's 
he's going to take that those symbols and change what they mean. Right. Yeah. I, says that. It seems odd for Wakanda to make something super American looking. Maybe there's a color swatch and he just like, there's a little computer in that briefcase and he do, 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 oh, do, 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 red, white, and blue. Yeah. You know, like, but he, yeah, he could just change it. Captain yeah, it's Marvel. like Captain Marvel tech. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I also do think um, this is something that I never made explicit in the in the shows or the movies. I know in the comics, Cap in in the storyline that introduced um, his uh, Walker and all this kind of stuff. Cap actually talks to the commission that basically removes him from being Cap and says, "I don't represent the government. I don't represent what America is. I represent the ideal. I remember. I represent what America wants to be." And I think that that is what Sam is aiming for. And I, I think having him say that explicitly would have been nice. I think that would have made a lot of sense. He kind of says it, but like I feel like exactly saying, look, I'm not representing America as it is because we know America is a lot of problem. I am representing the dream and the possibilities uh, that America is. I'm supposed to be the what it stands for iconically. And I, I think that makes sense. Yeah, there was, um, you know, there was a, this kind of this nice moment at the end of all the the punch, punch, kick, kick scenes where you have Bucky saying, nice job, Cap. Love that. He, he gets the, you know, he gets the acknowledgement from, from Steve Rogers, right hand buddy that, uh, you know, he acknowledges, yeah, you're the man with the suit. Now you're, you're the new Captain America. And, it's and I right-handed like, man you know, before that, ah, <laughs> cause, cause his left hand doesn't, is a, you don't, yeah, you don't think about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think that, you know, the scene before that where Sam says, I'm Captain America um, to like the guards as mm-hmm. he like enters into the space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that that's where we f- first hear it. It's that Sam takes it on, he owns it, and he declares mm-hmm. it uh, yep. loud and proud like, hey, I am Captain America and I'm going to own this and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forge a new path forward. Uh, for what this is and what it means. And I, I was like, oh, I appreciate that. That was cool. Yeah. I think if they had just done Cap 4 and Sam had showed up in this suit, it would not have had the power that it's going to have because we saw him at the end of three, at the end of uh, Avengers uh, Endgame. What are you doing? For <laughs> <laughs> anyone listening, uh, <laughs> Bucky and Sam, and then you one of them, uh, that one group kissing on the boat. Is that, is that rule 43? Is that what that's that the rule? You know what? This is all I wanted from this series. <laughs> Just We're one like, kiss. Come on, guys. You're such an adorable cu- couple. You guys are squabbling and you obviously care for each other just just a smooch (laughs) for me so i appreciate that uh i think basically all this results in a very uh, rich backstory as they examine what it means to be cap especially what it means for for a black man to be cap and it's gonna it's gonna give them a lot of weight when they do captain america 4 and i think that's really cool yeah um so if we move on to talking about you know, I, we, we touched on it a little bit, but him taking on the, um, you know, him taking on the role of Captain America, but trying to kind of uh, bridge the gap between the Flag Smashers and the GRC. There was the scene where after he defeats them, I mean, after he defeats uh, Carly, is that her name? Yeah. Yeah, uh, from from the flag smashers, he he brings her over to like you know turn over her dead body, I guess. To the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, he, he talks to them, the, the press and to the GRC about what went down. And I guess, uh, yeah, I want to ask you guys, um, Will, what did you think of this scene? What did you think of, of him talking to everyone? I liked hearing him say it. You know, I mean, if I'm like thinking about it later, like, would this realistically change anything? You know, I kind of doubt it, but I still like the stirring speech about, I mean, he's basically saying they don't have to make these choices. They could just write a check and like give everyone housing if they wanted to, you know, and from my perspective, like, I feel like that is something that should be said to those in power. Like, you know, these situations, it doesn't have to be this way just because you think it does. And I feel like that's what he's trying to tell them, you know, think about how it feels to be those refugees and, you know, try and think about it from their perspective, like you can't just move everyone around. And I don't know, I thought it was good, but at the same time, you know, I could definitely see them turning around and be like, whatever, we're still just going to do what we're going to do. And that's not what happened in the show, but that would probably be more realistic. Right. Well, I think it was supposed to be the Steve Rogers moment. Steve Rogers is great at giving speeches. Uh, you know, you look at look at Endgame, you look at um, Winter Soldier when he t- when he talks to the S.H.I.E.L.D. people. And, and, you know, that was one of Steve Rogers' superpowers, basically. And I think that they were giving Falcon that moment. And I thought that um, Anthony Mackie did a really good job with it. It's a, that's a tough thing to carry. Uh, and I think that, that it can come across as cheesy or corny. And that's one of the, one of the real gifts that Chris Evans had was to make it work with it being cheesy or corny. And I think Mackie acquitted himself well here. I thought, I thought it was a good speech, even if, yeah, realistically, these guys are just going to blow that off. Yeah. I think that, uh, I, I agree. It, it just, it, it went on a long time. It felt a little bit weirdly preachy and it, it didn't seem, I don't know, like they have the GRC guy, right? Mm-hmm. But it didn't seem like there was an appropriate foe for him to direct this, this monologuing to for me to the point where it just felt like it was delivering it to us, the screen to the audience, which, which kind of undercut it or took me out of the moment. I, I think that this isn't, you know, this isn't anything that's a reflection on uh, Anthony Mackie and how he how he did it. It was just, it was weird the contrivance of how how they wanted to cram in this messaging at the end. And you know, everyone, uh, we need to be better about how we consider our neighbors. So <laughs> here's the thing: I think, I think, I think, and some of our commenters talked about how it's a federal after school special. But I think that's the thing: is like. It's the comic book versus movie and TV thing. In a comic book, this kind of speech makes perfect sense, and it's a little bit larger than life. And yeah, it is a little after school special. But when you have um, give it a little more realistic shading, and like you say, they're just, they're not talking to one guy. Like like they didn't they didn't cartoon up the bad guys. The bad the bad guys, the GRC, were given a little bit of nuance, and so it didn't feel as satisfying as if he was like talking to the Red Skull or someone who had been like if he had somehow given the speech to Walker who had been portrayed almost as a cartoonish bad guy, it almost would have worked better. Although he wasn't the guy in the power to hear it. So I, I, I get where it seemed a little off, off key, but for me as a, like a longtime comics reader, this was, this was the captain America moment. It was him being not just Falcon cap, but cap. And I thought, I thought that was a good thing to put in there. Rich Murphy says, 
given that this was all written pre-pandemic, there's no way the writers could have been prepared for the weight audiences today after 2020 were going to hold it to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think that's interesting to consider, but I don't know. I, I, I There are ways to um, give uh, an appropriate foe for uh, pontificating. And I think that that's just the area that it, it didn't feel like it captured the appropriate amount of weight that I was expecting it to. You wanted a, you wanted a Gary Shandling type evil Senator. Yeah. Someone, yeah. Someone that you want to punch in the face. And this yeah. guy, it seemed like he was, you know, he's, he's just trying to do the job. <laughs> I, I think to some extent it may be, it may be that they didn't give that Senator enough. Cause he's, they definitely were trying to like, they, he's the guy who basically took the shield and gave it to Walker. We're supposed to hate that guy. We're supposed to see him as this, this bureaucrat who doesn't care about people. But yeah, I think because of how cartoonishly evil politicians have been in, in the, the last few years, the notion of a sort of realistically just kind of craven politician didn't seem villainous enough. I think that's probably where they fell down. Yeah. That's old. I, I don't think they even gave that. I mean, you're right. That guy's like in all those committee hearings, you know, he's all over the series. I don't even know what his name is. Yeah. Other than Senator. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about this guy right here. Uh, John Walker comes back. Uh, I missed, apparently there was a, um, uh, an after credit scene in episode five. Did you guys see this? Yes, yes. Where he was building his shield. Okay. That's what he's doing. He was putting the shield together. He's uh, building yeah. his janky ass shield. And it falls right apart. It, it does. Like, it does. He, he went to Hobby Lobby. He tried to put some. <laughs> would, would you expect this guy to be able to build a decent shield? No. Uh. <laughs> but um, I thought there was, there was something interesting in how they handled a degree of a redemption arc for this guy, because it could have been him coming in here and him messing things up more but instead Mm -hmm. it it came across as like you know he still recognized that he is a person who has abilities who isn't going to sit on the sidelines when there's something uh you know awful going on and we last left him where he is a he's a he's a product of of ptsd honestly Mm -hmm. this guy is is traumatized and he took that out and in murdering someone on TV who was the enemy and who he was trained to kill the enemy. right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, mm-hmm. so, um, you know, he, he got kind of hung out to dry for that. And yet him, him coming back here, I thought that, I thought that this was handled in a, a way that I didn't hate personally. I can understand other people not liking it. What'd you guys think? Uh, I think so, several of our commenters have made the point that I, I kind of agree with that basically uh, Rich Murphy said, uh, I like they developed it more, but I got whiplash from his turn. And then uh, uh, I Lund said, I think they set him up too hard to be hated for this redemption to hit. And I think that's true. I think that we were, we were being set up and maybe they may have just misjudged the audience because the audience hated this guy from minute one. Uh, and I think that they tried to give him some nuance. I think Wyatt Russell did a fantastic job, but mm-hmm. I think they, Everyone hated him from the outset and there was no coming back from that. And so when he shows back up, they have shown him like a bloody shield. They had him do this big knockdown drag out with, with Falcon and with winter soldier. And so for him to come up in the middle of this, even in the midst of a crisis thing, and they're just like, yeah, okay, you're with us now. It did feel a little weird. Like, wait a minute, you guys, you guys are cool with this. Like I would have like some kind of nod of like, we don't have time to deal with you right now. Like, like whatever, just stay out of the way. I would have liked them to to mirror what he did to them in the beginning when he's like, just stay out of our way. If they had said that to him 
They're like, yeah, fine, just just stay out of the way. I would have liked that as a flip of like, we don't have time to fight him right now, and that's we're gonna let him we're gonna let him do his thing, but we don't want him here. I don't know. I mean, I we've seen plenty of of tension between uh heroes, quote unquote, in the MCU who work together, then don't work together, and then when crisis hits, they come back together again. Um, I mean, a lot of that is in Infinity War and Endgame as well. Sure. So, I, I think that him being there is, is kind of clutch and makes sense for the character and his still his sense of, of duty and honor. And I think I it's a it's a delicate tightrope, delicate tightrope that they they were trying to walk here between examining what it is to be a a soldier um, dedicated to your co- um, country and then just kind of be tossed aside when you still kind of when the training you're given you know goes awry and it's i thought heavy and complicated and the the fact that he came back and did this and wasn't praised but wasn't um you know scorned either Mm kind of spoke a little bit to the the complexity of the situation and in part, I kind of appreciated it. I liked, I think in episode five, one of the things I thought was one of the best moments is when they're, they're dressing him down and they're, they're removing him from duty. And they basically like, they strip him of his rank and they strip him of his retirement benefits. And I was like, Whoa, that's, that's too far. Like you guys gave him this job. You, you didn't give him a lot of extra training. You expect him to do this really hard job. And then when he screws up in a way that like Valentina, totally totally nailed she's like nobody's mad that you killed the guy they're mad that you killed the guy on television right. they're mad you killed the guy so like to basically in, then strip him of that of those duties and strip him of his retirement benefits it felt to me like that was a commentary on how we treat our troops like we send them in these things and then when they come back we do not take care of them and i thought that was a good way to give a little sympathy of like yeah no matter how much you might head john walker you might you might think this guy should never have been cap that he's you know he's he, whatever problems you have them i don't think anybody's like yeah, and he shouldn't have health insurance anymore. I think that's probably a bit too far. Yeah, I think Kern's got a good point here, too. Um, not really uh, how well it sells in this climate about police brutality concerns to redeem Walker so quickly after killing that guy publicly. And that is true. That, that's that's another fair point. I, I mean, like I said, it's it's complex. You, you went after a guy who was part of a group that just blew up a building that they they kidnapped tight hogtied people like soldiers or you know guards that have kids and families and all that and then blew up the building and then this guy kills that person on television brutally but it's not like the other guy was also great <laughs> yeah I, all, all I, these people it's all bad <laughs> it's what yeah i i think what i would what i would have liked to have seen is some kind of moment where where Falcon and Winter Soldier seemed overwhelmed, and and he shows up to help them in a moment when they needed him, and give him a give him a bit of redemption of like he didn't need to be there. He showed up and he helped them, as opposed to just showing up for vengeance. I think if they had done one little thing of just not make him the guy who like saves them, but who like gives them gives them an advantage in a moment that they need it, I think that would have done a good job of of redeeming him, and then have them say, you know. We're, we're going to talk about this. I would have liked after the battle for him, instead of he standing around with them, I would have liked if he just disappeared the next we see is Val giving him the, the U.S. agent costume. I think I think having him be at all cool with Winter Soldier and Captain America was wrong. Yeah, um, I agree with that. And I feel, I mean, to me, 
the way I interpreted it is that he did come there for vengeance because he just comes mm-hmm. out, he's yelling, Carly Morgenthau. Yeah. You know, and it's only, it's like the mist fades from his eyes when he's like realizing that he could keep fighting the flag smashers or save these people, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like you contrast that with what Bucky did earlier, where it's like immediate, oh, I'm going to go save those people. Yeah. And then he really has to like struggle to get to that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I definitely like, I, I didn't, I felt like it was like too soon for Bucky to be like, Oh, banter, banter, quoting Lincoln, you know, right. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But he, he does show that kind of that tick. Um, Wyatt Russell uh, incorporates this kind of tick of like this, this mental struggle that's going on with this guy um, that he is a little bit unhinged. Um, but he does, you know, in the moment, do the more heroic thing where he goes to stop and like use his body to try and pull that entire truck back from toppling over the edge of whatever crazy infrastructure thing that yeah you know, sometimes they just make these like scenes that are <laughs> yeah <active>. yeah doesn't <laughs> make any sense yeah, what is happening here when they go they they chase him underground through these like sewer tunnels to have this like final confrontation yeah and there's just all these bags and pipes going to nowhere it's <laughs> really pretty and like with how it's lit with these different color lights it's like what is this place? let the set designers do their work grant they get so little appreciation <laughs> well um yeah we see that uh walker becomes a u.s agent here and can you tell us a little bit about Val here. Notorious JLD coming in for a amazing cameo. Um, <laughs> Contessa Valentina Allegra de la Fontaine, or Val, as she's to be called in your head, but never out loud. Uh, she is Nick Fury's girlfriend from the very early days of S.H.I.E.L.D. She is like a, uh, I want to say Italian, like Contessa, and she is kind of a badass lady spy. They had a relationship for a long time. And then in the comics, uh, of late, there was a guy, a writer named Jonathan Hickman, who did a book called Secret Warriors that involved S.H.I.E.L.D. And Valentina is set up to be uh, Madame Hydra. It's revealed that she's she's Hydra and she's she's a bad guy. I hope they're not going that way. I hope that she's going to be a little more gray as far as like her, her morality. I think I want her to be a spy master like Nick Fury. But I don't know who she's working for. I don't know if she's working for S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't know if she's working for S.W.O.R.D. Uh, I don't know who she actually works for. It kind of feels like she's doing recruiting akin to um, akin to Nick Fury when he was picking up um, all the people to make the Avengers. Yeah. She's kind of making her own Suicide Squad kind of team or like underground Thunderbolts kind of team, right? Yeah. So if, they, if they're doing Thunderbolts, if they and she's had no involvement in the comics with Thunderbolts, but I'd be totally okay with that. If they're going to do a Thunderbolts where basically... In the, in the comics, Thunderbolt started out as Baron Zemo's team that was basically supervillains pretending to be heroes so that they could get in good and then reveal their villainous agenda. But then it became sort of a Suicide Squad knockoff. If they decide to just go straight to the Suicide Squad bit and it's Valentina recruiting and she brings in Zemo and US Agent, um, I'd be super happy about this. My, my wacky will never happen theory, there is a Thunderbolt called Mach 1 who uh, basically has like a jet, uh, it's, it's basically like a jet suit of armor and um, in the comics, he is the Beetle, a Spider-Man foe who we've never seen in uh, in in the in the movies and the TV. I want them to recruit Michael Keaton's Vulture 
out of prison to become the Mach one for the Thunderbolts. Oh man. That'd be I cool. don't think they will, but I would love that. <laughs> we, we got a comment from our, our buddy, John Rubio. Yep. Who says, uh, Walker's a lot like winter soldier in so much as they're both victims of their own brands of programming and abuse. Mm -hmm. So I understand Bucky having some sympathy. Yeah. That so. makes a lot of sense. The other thing I think I wish they'd hit a little harder on is that the one thing that us agent has in common with Steve Rogers is that never just never say die, never quit thing. Like if they had shown him just getting the, the crap kicked out of him by the, by the uh, various flag smashers and just that he kept getting up, that could have gone a long way toward giving me a redemption. Like that. He wasn't just here for vengeance that he is basically, he is not going to quit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree there. That could have really helped sell that moment a bit better. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, put this back up on screen real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Look at those two. Just smooch them out of the boat. That's yeah. where, that's where this it's, very, it's very sweet. By the way, since we didn't talk about five, the, the boat stuff with, with, uh, with Bucky and Sam, uh, you know, working together just to work, to put the boat together. That was some of my favorite stuff in the show. That, that goes right to what this show does. That you can't do in a movie is like spend some time in new Orleans with Sam and his family and all the people who loved his family and, rebuilding a boat you would never have time for that in a movie it i mean this is like what you were saying mark about or will um about how you wanted to have um uh, a second season of this show right um, mm -hmm. and, and there is so much to like richly explore there so it's a little bit disappointing that we didn't get that um that that said those those moments we're really touching seeing everyone mm -hmm. out on the boat, seeing mm -hmm. this kind of that community, that family that was going on there. Um, I also really appreciate what that they did give resolution to Bucky and that he did kind of go through and cross off on his list, you know, addressing his past and mm -hmm. trying to, to heal and, and make himself better. I thought that resonated a lot with me. And, um, I thought that the, the performance by um, whoever plays Bucky Barnes here, um, Luke Skywalker, uh, was great. <laughs> Sebastian Stan, sir. Sebastian Stan. And then him rolling <laughs> into the party with a cake and like, love it. Love it. Kids and everything. And yep. like, yep. just like, like, you know, being with all of them. And it was beautiful. It's a beautiful moment. I love how they hammer, they uh, humanized uh, Winter Soldier here at the end. The, the bit, the the bit in five where he's like, oh yeah, I just I sometimes forget to use the arm. I'm right-handed. But just a nice little bit of like he is not just a super soldier assassin. This is the guy who dragged uh, Steve Rogers to a double date at the World's Fair. Like he he was like a fun loving guy who became this like brute much assassin. There there is a a fun guy in inside that that uh, that super soldier suit, and I'm glad they let a little bit of that peek through, especially him flirting with Sarah. Like that was that was delightful. <laughs> Will Morris says the bit with a guy whose son Winter Soldier killed was criminally rushed. Yeah, I, I go ahead. Sorry, I definitely wanted to hear more. You know what happened next, and then you just see him like watching the guy creepily through the restaurant window. Um, I, I would have liked more, but I also feel like that'd be so hard to write. You know, because mm -hmm. I mean, what could you imagine being in that scenario? Mm -hmm. Like, what would you even say? I feel like anything they could write wouldn't live up to whatever it's like I'm going to imagine in my head. That's I agree. That's what I was going to say is like, I don't disagree with Will Morris that it basically was it's rushed, but I don't know what would have been satisfying. And I think that probably you have to leave that to the imagination a little bit. 
ultimately they they established the point that you know in the beginning of this series he was very lost very alone and adrift at sea with mm-hmm. his his heavy emotions of of the the pain that he had caused right um not intentionally not against his you know against his will but he was able to go through and and cross off all the names on that list and mm-hmm. uh, give that to his therapist to show that he had some growth and he's he's able to find some some sort of sense of place and i i think that that was really sold with uh this scene where he's with mm-hmm. sam and his uh sister and her kids and he has he has a, a place and he has family and he has people who care about him and he cares about and it's all I, about family and and this is uh and then dom shows up and recruits oh. him to uh to join the fast and the furious right perfect that's all we need <laughs> um yeah that's <laughs> That's exactly what I want to talk about. Um, let's talk about a little bit about uh, uh, Isaiah Bradley as well, mm-hmm. because um, we mentioned it a little bit before, but he got his uh, statue dedication. So, so before we talk about, I think I learned this makes a good point. We should talk about from from episode five, because oh. I think see. So he mentions that in episode five, it's a little weird that Sam and Bucky are casually throwing the shield, and then during the training montage, Sam can't catch shit. I actually don't think that's weird editing. I think that. Sam and Bucky are having a catch. Like it is basically just like when you're throwing a baseball around, it's, it's a lot easier. They're just bouncing it off. And they're just like, they're just bouncing it back and forth. It's not coming in at super fast speeds. They're just bouncing it. When the training montage is going on, Sam is trying to learn how to catch it in combat. He's doing like flips and shit. And he's basically trying to, he's, he's working a little harder for himself. So I don't think it's like he suddenly lost the ability to catch. I think it's that he's also throwing in all the acrobatics and all that kind of thing. And I think it was deliberate. I think they were showing that the base baseline skills of like bouncing the shield is something that they both had learned, but that the doing it as a, as a hero was a different thing. And they wanted to give him that montage. You know what I was missing? Uh, what happened to the cool Stark button that he could click on his glove or whatever. And the, the shield would come right back onto his, his forearm. Okay. I am glad you mentioned that. I don't like that. They, it's, it's in a, it's in an age of it's in an age of Ultron and nowhere else. And it felt weird. It felt like Tony gadgeting up everybody. And I'm like, Cap doesn't need that gadget. Cap Cap kicks the shield and kicks it up in his hand. He has a cool move to bring it up. He doesn't need no magnets. Oh. He's not just he's not Jesse Pinkman. I like the magnets. I don't know. <laughs> it's a little silly. And then I was like, oh, like that. that seems so convenient that he could just be like. Zoop. It was like uh, it was like Mjolnir, where he could just put his hand out and get it, and I thought it was cool. Can I admit that I was a little sad? I, I'm not surprised, given there was so much was going on in this episode. I was really hoping Joaquin was going to show up in the Falcon suit. Oh, yeah, man. especially Me too. he's like, yeah, you go ahead and hold on to uh, yeah uh, the the wings because Cap he, Cap Four, I guess we'll see it. We'll see it in Cap Four. Yeah, but this character was great. The actor was fantastic. Um, easily likable. And a, a good right hand man as well, a good mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know sidekick that I guess eventually um, turns half into an actual falcon. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, I, falcon I don't again. think they're gonna go that way. <laughs> but do you, you you think that he he got that from Sam and he's like, you know what? I'm gonna. I think he. I think out. I think they're gonna war machine the thing. I think the and the U.S. Air, the Air Force are gonna take to get take this old Stark tech and turn it into something he can wear. Yeah. Because yeah. he seemed to kind of know how to fix it in the first episode, too. So it seems like he's already familiar with how it all works. Uh, 
G Miller says, I grade this episode 3.5 out of five <laughs> magnets. Okay. Not enough magnets. But how do they work though? <laughs> yes. Only the juggalos know that. <laughs> um, there was a, we also got a little brief snippet of the raft and yeah. that um, Zemo's just kind of kicking in the raft. I was also kind of surprised that the Wakandans got a hold of Zemo and rather than keeping him in their own prison where they can get yeah. on him, they mm-hmm. relinquished him to the raft because who's overseeing the raft? I was surprised at that too. And that's what makes me think maybe they are setting up a Thunderbolts because it made no sense. I was like, the Wakandans seemed like they would just hold him. Like it did not seem like they would give him over to the raft. Yeah. Already like, you know, he was in, he was in German prison, which we all know is like basically hanging out in Ikea or something. <laughs> no, Swedish prison. <laughs> They're close. So, um, you know, the raft seems, he's got a radio. He's able to listen to the news. It doesn't seem like the worst. <laughs> it's not the worst. <laughs> it's just hard to escape, I suppose. Did we ever hear that? Because that was mentioned by the Wakandans. I had not remembered that from anything else. Is that something mentioned in a previous MCU installment? The um, the, the raft. The raft. The raft, is, the raft is in Civil War. Okay, that's where they are when they're imprisoned. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's where Steve Rogers breaks them all out of. Gotcha. And yeah. then doesn't go looking for Sharon. Oh, so we were uh, we were talking um, about uh, Isaiah Bradley. Yes. Yeah. And his dedication scene. Um, he's he's got his own little section tucked around the corner of um, the Captain America Museum. He's got a statue with some haunting eyes, I think. <laughs> <laughs> eyes look a little bit severe. <laughs> but, um, but otherwise, uh, it was it was this kind of touching moment where, you know, Sam brings him in there and shows him, like, you aren't forgotten. Uh, and, you know, we can even... Someone got a good shot where you can actually read about the history of him and uh, the other people... It would be kind of nice if other soldiers, I guess. Wait, wait, wait! Well, I'm just looking at this. Yeah, I didn't see this. I Did they you I, you, you can actually see. Lab? So no, but the important thing is, as I, I, it says on here, some individuals in the government tried to erase Isaiah's story from history. His family was issued a falsified death certificate. And for decades, the truth of his unfit. Like, did they reveal that he's alive? He didn't want that. They just Randy, and everything they, you... <laughs> they just sprung it on him in the museum. Like, you walk around the corner, like, oh, there's a statue, and here's everything you told me not to do. <laughs> that just overturns everything you said earlier about how this scene is like good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Thanks for, uh, thanks for. Oh, you listed my address on there. <laughs> why is my, why wow. is my social security number on this monument? That doesn't make why any did, sense. Why would you do all this? All my credit card numbers are here. What is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the, he just got it three D paint printed by the Wakandans. He's like, yeah. While you're building the suit, can you make this really detailed thing for Isaiah Bradley? <laughs> He'll love it. I, I'm He'll sure. love it. Yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> I'd say it's like the fuck, dude. <laughs> when he's hugging him, there, he's actually trying to choke him out. <laughs> he's, going, he's going, "I'm gonna kill you." Yeah, that's not a hug. He's doing a hail Hydra thing. He's, he's just whispering to him all the things. Look, I'm a super soldier. You're not. You're a dead man. <laughs> you are a dead man. Why would you do this to me? Yeah. 
that's funny because I I guess I hadn't read the whole thing either. I grabbed the image. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't I hadn't read it till you put it up on the screen. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I thought I thought surely that he had done anything of like the story, the official story that he was experimented on and that he had died, basically maintaining the fiction that he wanted, but giving him a little bit of the recognition that he also deserved. Uh, no, he just he's like straight up like, no, he falsified his death. Look, here he is. Wait, wave to the wave to the guy who didn't want to be seen, folks. <laughs> um, there's there's one other little moment, um, you know, relatively insignificant, but there was this um, the this woman on the helicopter that mm-hmm. Sam identifies as being able to uh, fly a helicopter, and for some reason it was touching to me. This like, hey, I this this coordination, we gotta work through this. You gotta step up, be brave, and we're gonna do a countdown threw the shield in, blocked it, and she jumps in and kind of saves the day. Mm-hmm. One else, and I don't know. I, that that scene, like how it was edited, how tight it was, the timing and the execution and just everything, how it played out visually, it worked for me a lot. I loved it, and also this is another thing that, that Cap does. Cap is supposed to be someone who not only, he serves as an example, but he lets other people be their best selves. Yeah, like brings out the hero and other Yeah, people. yeah, like, and I, I thought that was great. Yeah, it, it also kind of called back to the, what was going on in the first episode, and you could kind of co- contrast that fight scene with this one and see how much things have changed for Sam. And I thought it was good to like kind of think about that while you're watching this. How he's grown. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So on that note, uh, we should talk about what overall we thought of this season. I guess then, um, you know, not just this episode. What do we think overall of, of how they took this story of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and elaborated on these characters, their arcs, and what goes on with them behind the scenes between movies? Um, Will, what did you think? I thought it was good. You know, I came in with low expectations. I saw, I liked, you know, like I said, I, I'm a bigger fan of the cosmic alien uh, magic kind of stuff. And so I wasn't necessarily expecting to like this, but I, I liked it. I think that like Randy was saying, it could have had kind of a stronger villain outside of the flag smashers that kind of represented the state or the GRC or whatever, but oh, right. we didn't really even talk about uh power broker and what a throwaway I'm an evil mustache villain, but I'm going to get away with it and I'll see you in the movie or whatever that was. <laughs> yeah. That was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I thought it was good. I thought it was good. And it, it made me pumped about Captain America four. Randy, what are you feeling? Um, I like this better than WandaVision. I, which I loved WandaVision, but I thought this was better um, for me. This is right up my alley. The, the, the Captain America comics where John Walker com- comes in and takes over as, as Cap is some of my earliest comics reading. Like that's that was like stuff I was reading as a teenager. And so I have a huge nostalgic attachment to it. And so to see Battlestar and John Walker and Flag Smashers and Zemo and all these guys brought to life in this way, uh, plus the fact that I the Captain America movies and the Avengers movies are, are my favorite of the MCU, this was like made directly for me. Uh, and and I think that they did a great job. For all that I have some gripes about, yeah, it felt a little rushed in some places. I do think that you can you can definitely see the seams of this was supposed to be a different plot, and then they changed some stuff. And also probably that COVID filming probably made some things difficult. 
I think they did a really good job, and I think this is a it, it stands up alongside the 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 Mar- the movies. I think our buddy Les uh, from TV Dudes mentioned when we were talking about Wandavision. He's like, they finally made a TV show that you can put in your rankings of like, what's my favorite Marvel movies? Mm-hmm. And I think the same is true of of uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. You can put that in like, where does this rank in the Marvel movies? And it's not going to be dead last below everything else, but still just above Agents of Shield. It's definitely above Thor two. <laughs> above Thor too. Um, yeah, I, I think that we can't help but also kind of compare this to WandaVision mm-hmm. and and look at what each of those was uh, like looking to accomplish. WandaVision was brilliant and multi-layered, just very textured, top down for me, and there was such wild. Uh, um, abundant creativity that was going into all these different facets of what that show was doing. But at the end of the series, I felt it kind of, it really dropped the ball. Like it was a Mm. very disappointing finale to an Mm. otherwise brilliant show. And that undercut it in a way where this one feels pretty, pretty strong all the way through. And Mm -hmm. Um, what they set out to do has um, also a very profound message. There's so much more maturity that we're seeing in the MCU and what they're kind of tackling in both, um, you know, mental health issues and, and grieving and loss in WandaVision, as well as um, uh, race and, and nationalism and what it means to be um, a, a person proud of your country versus, you know, proud of your humanity and, mm-hmm. and how we kind of um, divide ourselves by borders when we're all just kind of people. There's, there's a lot of really heavy um, complex, you know, content that they're, they're taking some big swings at, at uh, talking about, they're talking about police brutality and um, divisions in our country that have been longstanding and, and avoided for quite some time. It's impressive that they are making those moves. And let's just remember all the dumb shit that justice league did. <laughs> <laughs> Look, in I'm com- looking, I'm looking at our comments by the way. Yeah. And I just want to say, I feel a little bit like Falcon when he found out that Bucky didn't love trouble man there's some people in here legitimately saying that agents of shield is a better finale or is somehow better than this and you people are crazy that's dead (laughs) (laughs) but i will say this nicole said um that it's basically she said it's not better than one or it's not as sophisticated as one division uh and uh she's out of line but she's right yeah to quote (laughs) quote zemo uh i i just for me this whole this leaks better because it's a th- it's a it's a genre like the action adventure genre. Uh, it's characters that I happen to love more. But if I if I'm being if I'm being 100 honest and just objective, yeah, WandaVision is probably a little bit more um, ambitious. Uh, it also had nine hours as opposed to or nine and a half hours as opposed to six or whatever. It's it's the more time I think. But um, but for me, I I will rewatch Falcon and Winter Soldier more than I will rewatch uh, WandaVision, which doesn't yeah. necessarily make one better than the other. It's just yeah. what your what your speed is. You're definitely in the tank for this style of uh, uh-huh. mm-hmm. of storytelling. Will Morris says, "I think your buddy Les is smoking." And I that's that's say, neither uh, here nor there. Let's say no joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a couple other thoughts from the audience here. Uh, G Miller says the um, the show had some missteps, but the great character build building for Sam and Bucky makes the whole thing work. 
I agree with that. Uh, Will Morris says, I like the show, but it's impossible for a show to be great in six episodes. Uh, tell that to the British office. <laughs> what about, I mean, but a movie's great in an hour and a half, you know? So I don't know. I feel like it's possible. Yeah, it's plenty. I, of- I don't think, I don't think they reached great, you know, but I think it could have, it could have been there. Uh, Compton animator says, I love the season overall and how they use both Sam and Bucky. Also how great Walker was the final episode did didn't stick the landing but it was still good yeah i'd agree with that it's it's not the perfect landing that i want but let's acknowledge endings are hard like half the movies don't get a good ending either like it's it's right. really difficult i loan says i think the message of the show is better than the overall execution probably would never rewatch <gasps> and i am shocked Puts a horrified. dagger to Randy's side. I am shocked. <laughs> like I'm already, I'm already, I'm already planning to get some friends together at a theater this this summer in, uh, in you know, in in safety in in safe ways to watch this on a on a screen because I'm so excited about it. Rubio says, "I hope uh, they lean in for more six episode seasons." I, I'm I'm good with the lean lean six episode. I'm all about the shorter seasons. Um, Kern says, I was surprised how much the series touched on current political events. They managed to successfully meld it with massive Marvel action scenes. Let's keep it up. Yeah. Oh, I did want to say, do you guys think that the actions, well, well, the action throughout this was good. I don't think they ever topped the chopper chase that opens the first episode. I don't think have any action scenes that are as good as that first episode. Um, I liked, I thought that actually the, the fight sequence between, um, Bucky uh john walker and sam was really yeah. sloppy. it was like yeah really, i did too like really tightly filmed and like kind of hard to follow what was going mm-hmm. on um and similarly a lot of the the punching sequences in this final episode were didn't didn't really um yeah it didn't flow as smoothly as like oh man it was like really fun and i i felt like i was on like some some uh disney ride <laughs> yeah first episode i think when you have sam in the air that's when it's as best the when he was chasing down the chopper and using the shield and all and then that like that was close but i still didn't think it was quite as good as the extended chase in the first episode hmm. i thought the i thought those scenes in this episode i enjoyed more than the first episode but i did it just wasn't focused enough you know if you'd like focus on that but i was like okay what's happening with the vans what's happening yeah. with the helicopter yeah. you know your your head's all over the place yeah uh, that psycho reviewer says, um, hopefully Captain America four has a better Sam Wilson fight scene. Cause to be honest, his flying and shield throwing was great, but it, I, I wasn't really into the hand to hand combat. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's fair. Yep. Yeah. Um, I got one last question for you both. Um, if there was a, a person to give a voice to Sam's new suit, who would you like to, uh, be the voice actor talking to him? Morgan Freeman. You want Morgan Freeman to be his? Sure. Like, <laughs> why not? Why not? This is Morgan Freeman. Yeah. I, uh, now, I, I can obviously do it, Morgan Freeman, because that yeah, was awful. I, yeah. I, uh, that was that's off the top of my head. I, I, I don't actually know, but that's that's my top of the head uh, guess. Yes. My vote would be for Snarf from Thundercats. <laughs> no. That's Red Wing. Oh, man. Uh, I, I think just make it awful. It's like uh, like Fran Drescher or uh, Gilbert Gottfried. Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> Kathy uh, Falcon, we're running out of power. He's like 
Stop it, Red Wings. <laughs> <laughs> this off? Oh, Wakanda, this Wakanda handbook. I can't oh, remember. Oh, Nicole Jackson nailed it. Nicole Jackson nailed it. Uh, Viola Davis. Would Viola Davis. Yeah, 100%. We got uh, we got suggestions for uh, Idris Elba. I, I oh. would Idris Elba just <laughs> oh, be, like, man. annoyed and tired all the time of him. Just his, the Idris Elba from uh, from Suicide Squad. You want just, you want his like just bone tired. God damn it, Sam! How many times do I have to explain this to you? For fuck's sake! <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd be great. Oh, uh, there's another great suggestion. Yeah, Takaka says uh, husband wants John Oliver to be the one. Yes, be amazing. <laughs> um, that reminds me of um, you guys ever play Portal Two? Um, Wheatley, uh, who's that actor? Also from the, the Office. Not uh, not Ricky Gervais, but uh, his friend, the the tall, gangly guy. Oh, uh, God! Why am I not blanking yeah, on his name? Yeah. His name. Stephen Merchant. Anyway, Stephen Merchant. Stephen Merchant would be delightful. Yeah. Uh, Dennis McElwain says uh, Keith David. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> Rubio says Andy Milanakis. Is I don't know who that is. <laughs> it's like, is he the Prime Minister of, of Yugoslavia? I don't know who that is. <laughs> uh, Stephen Merchant. There you go. Uh, Hugh Grant. We got. <laughs> But it's got to be the sloppy, drunken Hugh Grant from The Gentleman. It's got to. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I think on that note, we got a bunch of good suggestions there. Um, final thoughts? You guys have any final thoughts on this? Uh, can't wait for Captain America Four. Yeah, that was exciting. That they they didn't even wait a week. They were just like, "Hey, uh, that episode's out. Captain America Four is coming." Yep. Too late. Spoiler yep. alert for everyone who hasn't watched the episode in the first three hours that it was out. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to more Disney Plus Marvel shows. I think this is a good format. Yeah, mm-hmm. excited for Loki. Um, and excited to have you guys back for more uh, MCU chat. And as long as you're open to it, um, thanks everyone for crickets. You both are like, no, nah, I'm done. No. <laughs> I'm coming back on your show, Grant. Um, <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining the podcast this week. Uh, remember, you can follow us um, on youtube.com slash mcupod when we go live. You can also follow us over on Twitter at mcupod. We're um, on Instagram at mcupod. And um, yeah, we uh, would love you guys to keep up with us because, you know, next week, I don't know. We, we obviously don't have a, a TV show that we're going to be talking about, but we'll probably just try and find some other topic to talk about. We could talk about some of the upcoming movies, the the slate that we are anticipating or uh, picking some characters to kind of deep dive in and just discuss more of the MCU because there's plenty to talk about there. As I'm sure if you go check out new rock stars or whoever, you'll see a bunch. <laughs> we're just going to crib whatever they're doing. Um, we also have a uh, Loki right around the corner. I think June 11th is the debut date for that one. And that one looks awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward excited. to that. By the way, Grant, I, I forgot to promote something important. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, you did. We just started up a new comic. I, I restarted a comics podcast with, uh, with my buddies, uh, Bo and Jason Murphy. And uh, we're doing a monthly podcast that is tied to what is in the sort of comics pop culture. Our first episode is all themed around Falcon and Winter Soldier. So if you'd like to hear uh, me and a couple guys who have been like reading comics for a long, long time, talk about these characters in the comics uh, much more than about the show. Uh, you can go over to uh, loose cannon comics. Um, we were on Spotify. We're on Google podcasts. We're on Stitcher. Uh, we're not on Apple yet because they're not taking new podcasts right now. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook 
and listen to that first podcast. We're going to do a monthly. And if you're a patron of the MCU pod, you got an early sneak peek at it. We did. We put that up. Um, loose Cannon Comics. You know, I, I was scrambling. I was like, I don't know if I have a graphic for that, but I do, actually. No, oh, <laughs> God damn it. It's a beautiful tale of love. Um, and we, we're getting recommendations from everyone that we should uh, be talking about. Shang-Chi and the, the new trailer that came out. Yeah, so yeah. It would be a great. Also, a review of Thor 2. Thanks, Karen. I, don't think <laughs> I haven't seen it. I got to watch it. No, don't, don't do it. I'm going to watch it right now. <laughs> Look, as a completist, you got to. It's the same writer as Avengers Endgame. How bad could it be? The oh, answer is bad. <laughs> the answer is very bad. But it's still MCU and you should watch it. Well, uh, we will be back um, next week, and we hope you guys will tune in to join with us. Um, you can support us over on Patreon, where we will be doing all sorts of bonus content. You can join for two bucks, five bucks, or ten bucks a month. Not a week, a month. So, you know, if you like buying a, a Starbucks coffee once a month, you could just take that one day a month and give it to us instead. That'd be awesome. It's a $10 coffee. That's a really expensive coffee. Um <laughs> Uh, one of those unicorn lattes or something will thank you yeah so a unicorn frap uh will thanks for joining us um where can people find you thanks for having me you can find me at hypercastle.com or i'm william cardini on twitter and instagram excellent uh randy you can find me at the tvdudes.com you can find me at rosegallerytx.com and you can find me at loose cannon comics over on facebook and uh, you can find me at Baron Von Grant over on Twitter and on Instagram. I also do a craft beer podcast called The Beerist, which comes out every Monday. Uh, it's a lot of fun, a little bit raunchy humor. But if you are into beer, I think um, give it a shot. I also do a Star Trek podcast from time to time called Star Trek Pod, where we talk about, um, believe it or not, Star Trek. That makes and, sense. Yeah. 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 And um, uh, Mike, if he was here, he, he's running a Star Wars pod, which I've been popping on called Star Wars pod. So we're just doing everything with just the word pod after it, <laughs> and, uh, making that our brand for now. Um, appreciate all of you guys. We will be back next week. Until then, I think G Miller came up with our, our sign out. So uh, hopefully I got that right. Um, MCU later. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Baby, don't hurt me.